San Diego, my city, where the wheels of the online economy never stop turning. A stucco metropolis of unparalleled strength and delicious burritos that drive the business world. San Diego is a tough place. America's finest city is the real jungle. If you're not careful, it can chew you up and spit you out. But if you work hard, you can hit it big. And I mean really big. My name's Pam Hendrickson, and I'm the largest online marketer and content developer in my neighborhood. I run three businesses out of this home. I walk my dog, I cook dinner for my kids, and I visit places like the San Diego Zoo, SeaWorld, and the rarely dangerous wild animal park. One of the most spectacular 200 square feet home offices anywhere in the world. But it wasn't always so easy. Hi, it's Pam Hendrickson, and thanks for joining me here on my business blog, where we're all about helping you take your content, your products, your marketing, and your business to the next level for you. And right up front, I want to let you know that this training is a bit controversial. At least it created some controversy in the Hendrickson household. Because my husband, Chris, and if you know him, I'm sure you've experienced this, is a huge customer advocate. In fact, I feel very, very fortunate because one of the things that gives me so much certainty in my business is that I know each and every one of you is going to be taken care of at the highest level because I've got my husband behind you 100%. Back when he was doing sales and customer relationship management at Tony Robbins, we used to call him the Aaron Brockovich of our industry because he could tell you virtually any customer's full name, where they lived, how many kids they had, what their kids' names were, what events they attended, and what their biggest goals and dreams were at any one moment. In fact, he and I would be on dates sometimes and we'd run into a customer that maybe he'd met at an event and I felt like I was traveling around at a mini celebrity. After about five minutes, he'd be like, hi, I'm Chris's wife, Pam. Now, I tell you this because like many good things in life, he also has a dark side. And like many of us who have a dark side, in the right context, that dark side can serve when you embrace it. So for my husband, his dark side has to do with the fact that he'll go to the ends of the earth for you as a customer, colleague, and friend. But the minute someone breaks the rules, meaning they don't treat us back with common courtesy, respect, and kindness, or most important, they cause any kind of disruption with their other clients and their ability to achieve success, he's very quick to turn and kick them out of the tribe. Now, this may sound a little harsh, but I think it's an important idea that isn't talked about enough in business. You do so much work as a business owner to bring new customers into the fold. You've also got to be willing to fire customers when things aren't working out. Or as my husband says, pat them on the bum as they're walking out the door. So this is what I want to talk with you about today. When to fire a customer for the good of the customer, the good of you and your business, and perhaps most important, the good of your other customers who deserve to be in a community of people who are positive and empowering. You've got to protect that experience for them. You can't let one bad apple spoil the bunch, so to speak. And as I go through these nine criteria for when to fire a customer, I invite you to do a mini self-assessment to see if, number one, are there any customers you need to fire right now or clients? And number two, if there are any of these rules that you need to implement to help you take things to the next level in your business. Now, criteria number one is that they don't pay. Now, I don't mean a customer who misses a payment once in a while or maybe who has something come up in their lives where they need to be put on a different payment plan that supports their current situation. I'm talking about customers who cards decline always, again and again and again, and when you reach out to them to collect payment, they either make false promises like, oh, I'll take care of that right away, and then you don't hear from them for five more weeks, or they ignore all of your attempts to get a hold of them. In these situations, we have a hard and fast rule, two strikes and you're out. 
make sure that you protect yourself and your business by shutting off people's access to any programs that they have while they're in default and flag these customers to make sure that this behavior doesn't come up again. We have tags for all of our customers inside our Infusionsoft system, and we can now see where we have people who never pay and they're flagged. So if they try to enroll in something in the future, we respectfully let them know that the offer isn't something they're going to be able to take advantage of. Don't let people take advantage of you and don't let customers steal your products and services by not following through on their commitment to pay. This isn't fair to all your other amazing customers who met their end of the investment agreement to get access to your stuff. Now, criteria two is they constantly complain about little things. This is never more apparent to me than when we do live events. Inevitably, at almost every event, we'll have customers who are constantly going to the back of the room to complain about it being too hot or too cold or how far away the bathrooms are, someone too tall is sitting in front of them, or maybe the edges of their event manual are folded. It's death by detail and not the good kind. Whenever this happens, I know two things. One, they're not an implementer. This isn't to say they don't ever implement. I'm just saying that the type of person who's constantly focused on what's wrong is leaving a lot less brain space for what's right. And they're putting a lot more energy into finding things are wrong than they are into getting off their duff and taking action for their own greater good. I also know that, number two, they're probably taking up a lot more of my team's time and energy than they should. Which brings me to criteria number three. They suck you or your team for time. Here's that wonderful Pareto principle we all know so much about, right? So you've got to make sure that 80% of your time in your business is being spent on the 20% of the cream of the crop. People who are so conscious and heartfelt and committed and contribution-oriented that you're inspired to go to the ends of the earth to support them. This is where the heart of your business is, and this is where your biggest impact is. And this is usually where your biggest revenue is, is these are your buyers. They implement and get results, so they're always looking for what's next. Now, taking the Pareto principle one step farther, and stay with me on the math here, if you have 80% of your and your team's time on the top 20%, then the other 20% of your time goes to the 80% of the remaining people. Now, I know, this is like one of those math problems, right? Like at the first stop, five passengers get on the bus. At the next stop, seven more people get on the bus and three get off. But then the next step, 12 people get on and nine more people get off. And how many dogs live in London? Okay, that's a Louis C.K. joke, but that's how I feel when I get in front of these types of math problems. So let's take an example. You have 100 customers. 80% of your time is on the top 20 of those customers. That leaves 80 people. So the remaining 20% of your time, which is still a lot of focus, energy, and attention and support, they deserve that, goes to 80% of those 80 people, which is 64 people. And that leaves the bottom 16 people where you're really not putting much time and focus in at all because these are the people who tend to just take and not really put any effort into doing anything back. So these ratios might be a little bit different in your business, but my point is, just like Jack Welch used to top grade his company at General Motors by turning out the bottom 10% of his workforce every year, think about what it could mean if you could continually top grade your clientele. Okay, criteria number four, they spread negative energy. My dear friend and colleague, Mike Koenigs, likes to call these folks soul-sucking menaces. Now, that's tough, I know, but if you really take a look, I know we all probably have people in our lives and our businesses where this is unfortunately true. Chris and I will sometimes call these types of people the walking black cloud of death. They're just not happy, positive, or optimistic people, and frankly, we just don't want to be around them, and we really don't want our customers to be around them. Now, this isn't to say that 
it's not okay to have a bad day or a bad moment. If someone is going through something in their life, and we all do, then of course we get it and we want to support people through those inevitable tough times. What I'm talking about here is the person who is out on the beach in Hawaii with the sun shining and turtles swimming below, and yet all they can focus on is the sand in the crotch of their bathing suit. You know what I mean? Okay, criteria number five, they don't implement. This is one of the most important criteria for me, and this is a little bit tougher because there are a lot of really well-intentioned people who just plain and simple don't implement. Yet, when it comes to your business, I want you to consider what happens when you surround yourself and your customers with people who don't take action and follow through. There's a saying in personal development that if you add up the income of the top five people you spend the most time with and average it, this is what your income is likely going to be. You've got to surround yourself and your customers with people who are going to raise our game, not people who are going to bring us down, no matter their intentions. And I'll also tell you, this helps the sleep at night factor. Early on, when I started doing private coaching, I would accept almost anyone who wanted to work with me. What I figured out, though, is that I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make them drink. So if I'm working with someone who's the kind of person who isn't going to implement what we come up with or what I'm teaching or sharing, then I really can't help them. And they're taking away time from me helping others that will follow through. Of course, no one's perfect and no one's going to implement every single thing. At least this is really rare unless you have someone like our Irene who's in our community. So shout out to you, Irene. We love you so much. But they've got to do their part, right? And they've got to bring their own hunger and drive and determination to the table or you can't help them. Criteria number six is a big one. In fact, this is the one where we recommend the no tolerance rule. You can't have people pitching or promoting their own stuff to your customers. This is also known as spam and you can't tolerate it inside your community. So what's spam? Spam is when someone floods the internet or your community in an attempt to force their message on people who otherwise would choose not to receive it. So people are in your community to connect with you and implement your content strategies and tools. There's no place for other people pitching their stuff. And if you allow it, even if it seeps in one time, it can take your whole community down as people are going to stop coming to your site because they don't have the patience to wait through a bunch of spam just to get you the good stuff. It's just not okay. Plus, you're the one who spent the time, energy, and most important, money to acquire that lead or that customer. It's the single greatest marketing cost to most businesses, lead generation. And it's not right to let someone else try to be a parasite off the good work and good money you've put in. Criteria number seven is they create highly competitive programs that conflict with yours. This is a situation where maybe you teach SEO strategies for local brick and mortar businesses. And then six months later, one of your students comes out with a brand new program called SEO for plumbers, electricians, and other local businesses. One that has a remarkably similar curriculum that they often undercut the price on you by with the thought that they'll attract more customers and some of your customers that way and offer basically the same thing for slightly less money. Now, the good news for you is that if this does happen, it does never tend to work out for the people who do this. Customers today are super savvy and they can sniff out a lack of authenticity and, and integrity in a heartbeat, but it's a bummer and it violates every major copyright law ever written. So even though it's painful, I do go after people in this situation. Fortunately, it happens very rarely, but stealing content and or customers is a crime. And I do think it's important that you treat it as such.
Now, on the flip side, when I get people who write in asking if they can repeat a piece of my content with an attribute to me, I almost always say yes, because I appreciate so much that they're coming to me, they're conscious, and they're going through the right channels to get permission. And that feels good for everyone. But don't let people steal your stuff. If you want to create a certification type program where you can train people in your methodology and give them permission to publish your content or ideas, that's great. Otherwise, protect your brand and your content. Criteria number eight, and we're almost done here. Gosh, this has been a little bit cathartic for me. I hope it is for you too, as I'm guessing you've experienced one or more of these elements or that maybe you've been in a community that wasn't managed and some of these things may have crept in. So criteria number eight is people who are chronic refunders. This is the one that gets my husband's blood boiling. I mean, we can see right there in Infusionsoft that they've bought and refunded within 30 days every program we've ever sold. So what makes that person think we're gonna be inclined to sell them something in the future? Now, again, I don't think this is always bad intent, but it's just not the kind of person you want to do business with. So just block them from taking advantage of any of your future offers. And that brings us to criteria number nine, which is scope creep. I've had this happen more often in the consulting side of my business when I haven't managed it. And this is the idea that you have an agreement with someone about what services you're going to provide, and then you provide them those services and hopefully a little bit more because it's always good to over deliver on value, but then you should be done. But sometimes you end up with a client who just wants to feel like they're getting the most for their money and they'll nickel and dime you by asking for a ton of little things that are all above and beyond what you promised them. It just can feel a little bit cheap. It takes up a lot of time on stuff that's not as meaningful. And if someone's counting tasks at that level to try to get more out of me than really feels good based on the agreement, I just don't want to work with them. This comes from a scarcity mindset and you only want to work with people who come from a mindset of abundance. So there you have it, the nine criteria behind when you should fire a customer. Now, I feel compelled to say once again that we are so very blessed, and I'm guessing you are too in your business or you wouldn't be watching or listening to this with me, but we have the majority of our folks in our community, you, who are absolute givers. They have a high standard, so they expect that when they invest in one of our programs, they're going to get the value, but then when they get it, they use it and they get results. These are people we want to be around, and these are the people who make it so joyful to wake up in the morning in order to have the privilege of serving them through our content, our events, our products, our communities, our coaching, and our consulting. The takeaway from this blog training, I hope, is that you've got to have a high standard for the community and value system you're going to put in place in your business, and you've got to protect so many of the awesome people who join your tribe. Part of this is being willing to be the guardian of that tribe and make sure you're protecting them and surrounding them with the peer group and a community that's worthy of them. What do you think? I'd love to hear what situations you've been in or what's caused you to have to fire a customer or client. Or maybe if there's a decision you have to make to move out some of the negative energy so you can make room for some more positive stuff. Leave me a comment below and let's talk about it. And please go ahead and click the like button and the share button at the top of this post so you can share this video. And remember, there's an audio and transcript that comes with this. So you can share it with others that you care about. You can use it either to acknowledge people who are those standard bearers in your, in your business, and you can use it to help them protect their tribe as well. And when we do that, we all become better and we all help each other get to the next level in our businesses and in our lives. It's a beautiful thing, and it's one of the many things that can help us go out and make it a great day. Thanks for joining me. I'll be in touch soon. So Chris, what do you have to say for yourself? Well, I'm just here to say that you're wrong. I was not divisive inside the community. I was just trying to express my opinion to people 
I created a great product. I just wanted to sell it to people. Chris, 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 you're disruptive, you're mean, you're rude to people, you add zero value, and frankly, you're a soul-sucking menace to everybody who gets in front of you. Chris, the answer is clear. You're fired.